I'm Christine Anderson, a librarian who focuses on cultural heritage engagement and loves reading across the spectrum. And I'm Josie Thames, a professional scheduler who primarily reads from a gigantic backlist of fantasy novels and romantic comedies. We are two friends who love to talk about books and book culture, so much so that we formed the Fox and Heron Literary Society in our small coastal town of South Carolina. And when we get together to talk about books, we almost always veer off topic. So we decided that the next logical step was to launch our podcast celebrating the books that we love. So welcome to Off Subject with Fox and Heron. So, Christine, we obviously like to read, like a, a lot. A very lot. <laughs> <laughs> we started our own literary society, so yes. Yes, yes. And the thing I think about um, is how when I worked at the kids' school, you sometimes couldn't come upstairs, <laughs> like Ryan Ryan would come upstairs to collect things for the boys because we spent too much time talking. Yes, I wasn't allowed to get out the car. I had to sit in the car <laughs> and text you. He made me sit in the yeah. car. <laughs> I'm not ignoring you. I'm just I don't want to see you. So I'm in the car. <laughs> he said, we don't have 45 minutes for you to go in there. Yes, and talk about what you're reading and everything else that follows. Last episode, <laughs> last week, last episode, we talked about the books that we loved in our childhood. We discussed our childhood classics, the books that kind of formed us right. as readers. So this week, we kind of want to discuss the books that we love now, the books that we consider what I am coining our adult classics. Okay. Christy, do you want to get started? Okay. Mm -hmm. So I touched on this in our first episode, but one of my favorite, favorite books was Memoirs of a Geisha by Arthur Golden. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. based around one of the most famous geisha of the 20th century, Maniko Eswatsky. And I apologize if I have messed up the name. Crystal gave me this book as a gift and I fell in love with it. The writing was beautiful. The story was engaging. It just took you to a whole other place and meant a lot to me. I don't know why. I just fell in love with it. The entire culture, it was just beautifully done. And I had a whole new respect for these women who had to learn such engaging traits and talents. And it's not just pouring tea. It's how to pour it and in what order to do everything and to take care of themselves and to learn an instrument. And it was just fascinating. I gifted it to you because I loved it so much. I wanted to share that with you that is definitely my number one so mm -hmm. how about you well first of all I love how memoirs of a geisha has kind of become the friendship book <laughs> and of course crystal is our mutual friend and like she gave it to you and then you gave me a copy I just oh, I just I just love it I think of it as the friendship book <laughs> that's a good yeah yes um, for those that don't know, um, we have a document that we, a Google Doc that we share that kind of helps us with um, with the episode. And I'm looking at your list and I'm just going, oh, I could have added that to my list. I could have added that to my <laughs> list. Like, it, like, so we share, we share so many books that we, that we both love. I, well, it's hard when you're talking with your friends and you were like, oh, you need to read this and you know, they're going to love it. Oh, and by the way, I just found your copy of good and is it good and evil? The Neil Gaiman book. Good, good Omen. Good, <laughs> good Omen. Good Omen. <laughs> you can keep it. I have another, you bought me a copy. I did because I felt bad. I couldn't find your copy. And anyway, you know, I like to say that I read everything, but I look at my shelves and realize I have a very specific type of book. I love modern fantasy. Right. Like I don't like the sword, swords and horses type thing where they wear loincloths and, you know, <laughs> throw magic around. That, that's not my thing. Okay. I like modern fantasy. I like fantasy elements in the modern world. Right. I love romantic comedies. Oh, yeah. I love my first one on the list it actually I, it is number one for a reason it helped me get out of probably a five-year book slump oh wow yeah it was a long book slump um but I had I, you know, I hesitate saying I had a lot going on everybody has a lot going on I just you know I was focused I was focused on other things and reading for pleasure was not one of them 
I got married. Trey had, um, Richie had a child from a previous marriage and I became a mother to Trey. He was 10. And so I, I really hadn't read in a while. Right. Um, not the way I wanted to, like I would pick up something, but nothing really held my attention. And then Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone came out and it was a big deal because people in the church were saying, don't read it. It's, <laughs> right. um, it's craft it's satanic this was you know in the late 90s early aughts you know right. so um so not the satanic panic but still if you know they were throwing you know there was magic so there was always you know the people in the church were concerned about it trey was 11 years old so he was at the perfect time to read harry potter harry potter was 11 trey was 11 right he wanted to read it. He had friends who were reading it. And I looked at Richie and I was like, I don't want to discourage him reading, but I don't want him to read something that's going to hurt him, you know, right. or, or, you know, um, or skew his faith or anything. And so he's like, well, why don't you read it first? So, well, I read it and holy cow, not only did it break me out of that book slump, because once I read that, I was like, I want to keep reading. And then I would find more things to read. But it also bonded me to Trey. It gave us this common ground. He is 32. And this is still a part of our shared language. We still send each other Harry Potter memes. We play Harry Potter trivia together and wipe the board with everybody else. <laughs> so we went to midnight releases and we would stay up and read the books together. Harry Potter and Ricky Bobby really bonded us together. Like if, if we're talking to one another, it's either we speak in Harry Potter memes or we are trading quotes from Talladega Nights. It's our, <laughs> our shared favorite movie. So I don't think I need to give a synopsis of Harry Potter, but I will. Orphan Boy finds out he's a wizard and he gets whisked off to a magical school to learn how to use his magic and fights the forces of darkness along the way and finds out that he's basically the chosen one. Actually, it was done so well, it's kind of ruined all chosen one tropes for me. Uh. Yeah, like it's really, really difficult for me to read chosen one stuff because I'm I'm so loyal to Harry Potter, not necessarily J.K. Rowling, but definitely I am loyal to Harry Potter. I fell in love with Hermione Granger. Um, upon first meeting her, I'm like, oh, a girl who's bookish and has bad hair? Well, that's me in middle school. <laughs> I think we could all identify with that. Such an awkward <laughs> age to start to know somebody. You know, but she was never afraid to be exactly who she was right. in class about what she knew. She never tried. She was the very opposite of who southern girls are taught to become right we're supposed to be very quiet it's okay to play a little dumb i really i was never that girl if i knew something the whole class was going to know i knew right it. so i immediately identified with hermione but on the whole the series just takes the top spot for books i love now i've reread it two or three times it is a huge comfort read to me because the storytelling is done so well and the world building is just done so well i mean it does have its problems but every book right. does you know it's done so well that i find new things every single time i read it so it's it's going to be harry potter for me in the top spot love that because mm -hmm. i loved one of my favorite movies as a little kid was the worst witch did you ever see that <gasps> no oh that was one of my favorite i would watch it every single time it came on it's fantastic they've started a new series based on that movie but i believe the movies were based on a books i never got to read the book but uh, the movie i just fell in love with it but it's a little girl and she goes off to witch school which is basically a boarding school for girls and she's just mm -hmm. the worst at it but there's a secret plot as she breaks up and saves the school and very similar but she wasn't necessarily a chosen one. She just happened to be one who realized something. Hey, something's going on here. But I loved it. She just right. Yeah. yeah. Like her cat wasn't black. It was gray. So <laughs> little oh. things like that, that just made her the worst witch mm -hmm. ever. But she turned out to be the hero. I loved that. So when Harry Potter came along, Harry Potter's a lot more intense, yes. <laughs> you know, can get, yes. can get dark with Harry Potter. I let Ethan read it. 
when he was wanting to. But I explained to him up front. I was like, hey, listen, this is what the Bible says. This is a fiction book. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. I just wasn't worried about it. But Ethan's a very logical minded person anyway. So as long as you told him point blank, this is something you can't do or shouldn't do. And this is why he was usually like, okay. Right. Didn't yeah. keep him out of trouble all the time because he would weigh his options like, hmm, is it worth the consequence? But it I, it just left me like I really didn't worry too much with the Harry Potter books. But I know a lot of people did. Yes. Anyway, but my second choice is the series A Low Country Tale by Dorothea Bitten Frank. I loved these books. Oh, yes. And again, I got to mm-hmm. say, I think it was Crystal who introduced me to them. I love them. I love anything that's set in and around Georgetown, Charleston, Polly's Island, you know, in that whole, this is our home, our stomping ground. And I love it. And I love to read about it and to read stories that take place here. But to me, these stories need to have the physical factual defect. And I think she does a really good job with that. You can tell she spent time down here. My only, Mm -hmm. my Mm -hmm. only complaint is that her characters order iced tea. And nobody down here orders iced tea because we just assume it's all going to have ice. <laughs> we order sweet or unsweet. We just, yeah. Yeah. I read a book set down here actually by another author and the character was driving from like Georgetown to Charleston and, and looking out and seeing the ocean. And I was like, no, sir, you did not. That is not the thought. Atlantic. You know, things, they, they stand out, make you say, oh, no, it's not. Hard for me. That's hard. Her books have a definite pattern of middle-aged lady yes. going through a life change, usually going through a divorce or a death in the family, relationships with between daughters and mothers, that sort of thing. But I yes. I love it. I, I lap it up every single time. And yes. interview her for a magazine article. And she was just fantastic. <laughs> and she gave me her phone number so I could call her for the interview. And I saved it on my phone. And I don't know who it calls now because sadly she passed, has passed oh. away last year. But oh my gosh, she was fantastic. And yes, Dottie Frank, anything she writes is great. Absolutely. I, I had the opportunity to meet her several times at signings. I went to a movable feast where she spoke once and she always was the warmest, sweetest, yes. welcoming, most welcoming person. She truly, truly loved her fans. Yes. I was truly bereft when when she oh, passed. Yeah. yeah. You know, isn't 2020 bad enough? Right. No, there's Why just her? something that she writes that resonates with women around this area. Most people I know who like to read love her books. I know her daughter had started writing mm-hmm. with her some, so I'm just hoping she picks it up and runs with it. So we'll see where it goes. We would love to interview her <laughs> one day. Um, I have a Dorothy Benton Frank shelf in our library it she just she deserves her own shelf so very excited to see what her daughter does definitely will always be high on my list how about you who's next your list the next on my list is a book I always recommend to people when they talk about you know what are your favorite books it's the night circus by Erin Morgenstern it is about this magical circus that just appears in the middle of the night. And it's only open at night. You can't go to the circus mm. in the daytime. And there are these two magicians. The love story between the magicians is not the main story. But they are in love. And the way, and the, but they're not allowed to be in love. Because their parents have this pact about how one of the children will defeat the other. So the only way they can show their love for one another is through their ornate and one, it's like their little secret messages in each, like there, I remember there's one room where it was basically one giant moving ice sculpture and you can move within the ice sculpture. Like I still think about that and it takes my breath away. Erin Morgenstern's writing to me is one of the best writers alive today. She has such a way with words it's immersive you feel like you were there in the book you lose time reading it I started reading it on a vacation a Thanksgiving vacation and I literally lost track of time while I was reading this book just the way she describes things like she even goes into this beautiful detail about how a specific clock was made for the circuit the outside of the circus so people would know when it was time they could come in I just 
oh, so beautiful. To I've given a copy to a kid at school when I was at school because she <laughs> heard me talking about it to someone else. And she was like, this book sounds beautiful. I was like, well, I just fit here. You can have this one. And oh. I, then I went and bought myself <laughs> the book. Because I couldn't live without it on my bookshelf. I needed it on my bookshelf. It's the, the Night Circus. That has been sitting I'm on my TBR list me. forever. I need to get it. Bump it. Okay. Bump it so we can talk about it. <laughs> What's okay, your number three one? is really anything by Katherine Howe. But the Physic Book of Deliverance Dane. I loved this book. Mm-hmm. It's about a Harvard PhD yeah. student. She's looking into the Salem witches and the trials and finds out she was related to someone involved that nobody else had heard about, which is great for her thesis. Of course, there's always a plot going on and I don't want to spoil anything, so we won't get into that part. But I love there's magic involved, but you don't feel like you're reading sci-fi. It's very, you know, like, ooh, is there magic? Is there not? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's very real. It can happen in real life. Mm -hmm. I love that about her storyline. She wrote another book called The Conversion, and it was a real event happened at a girls' school where they started having fits, much like the witnesses and all in the Salem witch trials. And and it spread through the whole school, and they could never find a physical reason for it. And they came up finally and just said, it's a psychological thing. And they don't even realize they're doing it. And then, you know, it passed and everybody was fine after that. And so it's based on around that. It's not based completely, you know, it's not factual story. But again, there's that hint of magic and hint of, oh, maybe there was something, you know, supernatural going on. Her other book, The Appearance of Annie Van Sinderen. This one was more blatantly supernatural in that a young man sees a ghost. But she's come out with the new follow-up to the physic book for Deliverance Dane. And it's called The Daughters of Temperance Hobbs, who is another descendant. So in the first book, you, you get to know Temperance and they're trying to track down their grimoire and all of that. And so this is going to follow her line, her descendants down through the years. And I'm so excited. I I can't wait to see what she comes up with next. I haven't picked up the book yet, but every time I think about it, I want to read it. So I'm I'm sure it's coming soon. If you you can't stop thinking about reading it, it's time. It's time. Yeah, you need you need to read it. My next one is in a similar vein um, in that I will read anything that this author, my favorite book by her is Landline oh. by Rainbow Rowell. I love Rainbow Rowell. Yes, that's her real name. It's the name her parents gave her is Rainbow. She's from Nebraska. <laughs> She's delightful. At least she is on the internet. I've never actually met her. I would love to meet her one day when we are allowed to meet authors again. Do you worry that we're never going to be able to go to an author signing <laughs> and it's all going to be virtual events for the rest of our I life? have gotten concerned that <laughs> these virtual events make things easier and cheaper. And yes, they're more yeah. accessible on a certain level. However, there's just nothing of like being face to face with people and feeling the energy in a room and the excitement of other readers. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have thought about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, like I I love sitting and listening to the author in the same room read a selection from their new novel. Watching them read it on a television, you know, a computer screen is like, well, I, I could watch this on television. You know, it's just, this may as well just be, te- it's, it's definitely, it's a different feeling. Right. And I don't like it. But anyway, Landline by Rainbow Rowell. It centers on a character. Her name is Georgie. And bear with me. Her last name is Mick Cool. M-C-C-O-O-L. Aside from that, Georgie, she's a wife and a mother, but she's also a television writer, and she is completely consumed by her job. The premise of the book is she is supposed to go to Nebraska with her husband and children to visit his family for Christmas, but then she and her writing partner get contacted by the network that they want them to write their own show. That they have been planning, um, you know, they've been kind of workshopping it. And they're finally, right. the network wants a pilot um, in a couple of episodes. Her husband wants her to come to Nebraska. She decides to stay in Los Angeles and write. She instantly regrets it. And she tries to contact him. But how do I even explain this? It has a, a sci-fi element. She ends up talking to 1997 right. husband 
when they were still dating and going through a rough time when they were kind of dating. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to cry. This book got me through a very bad time. Richie was very, very sick at the end of 2015 and for a good part of 2016. And when he was in the hospital, one of the nights that I wasn't staying with him, I picked this book up. I thought I needed an escape and I started reading this book and it turns out it wasn't an escape, but it was the most um, cathartic, cathartic experience. It helped me work through a lot of the way I was feeling about Richie being sick. It helped me appreciate him even more and all the things that he had given up and for us to have a good life. And it refreshed me in a way, put a whole new lease, a whole new insight to our relationship and, I will love this book forever. I it, I actually had checked it out from the library. Once I finished reading it, I immediately, I went online and bought it immediately. I was like, I can't live without this book in my life. I still open it up. It's just one of those books. It's like Little Women. I can just open it up and read and it calms me. Wow, I am three for three <laughs> mentioning Little Women. It comforts me in, um, in a strange way. It, it, even though she's going through this horrible emo emotional turmoil, it really, it's very cathartic and it's, it's very comforting. What's your next pick? <laughs> or what, what do you have to say well, about you that? You loaned me that book and I cried and cried and cried. I had never heard of Rainbow Row before you handed me this book and I fell in love with it. I fell in love with her writing. I feel like it's quick and easy. And so I immediately, as soon as I saw, we have at the library, um, Eleanor and Park, boo-hooed at that Ooh. one too. Her style is quick and it's right. easy. She's very concise, but what she says, her, her dialogue is very naturalistic. Like she yes. writes us the way we talk and you hear it. And I keep waiting and waiting and waiting <laughs> for her stuff to be adapted because <laughs> it just, it really lends itself to being yes. adapted in some form. I'm surprised form. it hasn't. Me too. But, but yeah, she speaks volume just in her few sparse words. That's all she needs. That's all she needs to get everything across. But she was also a journalist and for a Nebraska newspaper. And okay. so I think that's where that comes from. Attachment sat on my shelf forever. And I think when I finished Landline, I okay. immediately went and picked up a tap. I picked it up off my shelf and read it and fell in love <laughs> with her all over again. I am a Rainbow Ralph convert. You, okay. you brought me over. And we're back. Christy, why don't you lead us into your next okay. adult classic? My next adult classic is actually a YA novel. It's by Karen Ooh. McManus, One of Us is Lying, and it's billed as being Breakfast Club meets Pretty Little Liars. And so, of course, I had to see what that was all about. And so the basic premise is here you have detention. So there's only these, I think it's five or six students in here and they're all different. There's the jock and the cheerleader and the smart girl and everybody's very labeled and put in their box. One of the kids has an anaphylactic shock and dies. Other students in the school are looking at these kids like they're suspicious of them because nobody knows what happened. Who would have had time to do it because nobody saw anything. It's very interesting. It goes through all of the students' point of view. Turns out one of them starts to like another one. Each of them have their own secrets. There's a school gossip site, little gossip girly in there, where it likes to reveal oh, all your secrets yeah. of the students. So they all live in fear of that site. The whole time you're trying to guess who did it. And every time I would read one of them's point of view, I was like, well, I know it's not them. Well, the teacher wasn't in the room when it happened. There's nobody kind of trust each other. It was very frustrating for me because I could figure out who did it. Her writing is very quick and it's very interesting. And I also read her Two Can Keep a Secret. It was really good too. Okay. It was a completely different storyline so it's not a follow-up or anything but it's very similar in that somebody died or she disappeared and then now strange things are happening in the town these two twins are having to live with their grandmother and it was the mom's twin sister who had disappeared back when they were in high school and so they're kind of thrust into the middle of this mystery that their mom never really talked to them about and it's a small town so everybody knows who they are they don't know who anybody else is you don't really know who to trust what's going on they don't know who their dad was 
it's all secrets. And it was very good. It kept me on the edge of my seat and I couldn't wait to pick it up and see what else was going to happen. I, I think all of her writing is kind of like that. She's got one more book that just came out. It's the follow-up to One of Us is Lying. It's called One of Us is Next. So I'm looking forward to getting that one. Ooh. It's like she pulls in every teenage trope, every teenage movie trope. Like you said, The Breakfast Club, right. Gossip Girl, Pretty Little Liars. And now I know right. last summer. It's, like, it, and, but it's quick and it's, it's fun awesome. and, it, and they're modern. And mm-hmm. she does that beautifully. Uh, I would highly recommend Karen McManus if you want a, just a fun, quick mystery. I gotcha. Yeah. That reminds me. Yes. Have you seen Knives Out? Ethan loved that movie good so good i think we we like rented it last year during lockdown and we were like whoa we we just (laughs) i went full bill and ted there but we loved it so much and we were so and the ending surprised me so much never being shocked some people just weren't shocked i'm sure it was was very similar to an agatha christie book i had read wasn't exactly right for that sidebar My next selection is Vicious by V.E. Schwab. It is part of an ongoing series. There are two books out. There's Vicious, which is the first book. And then there's Vengeful, which has one of my favorite characters of all time in all of literature. I purchased it back in 2018, the first one, Vicious. Yeah, um, I was meeting my Aunt Margaret and my sister Casey. We were on vacation. Um, Kathy, Catherine, and I had gone to New York. Casey was like, hey, we'll take the train and we'll meet you down there one day. So we ended up at the Strand Bookstore. And Casey, who was also a big old bookworm like me, we just hunkered down in the science fiction fantasy section, (laughs) made a friend. The workers there who still, um, you know, I'm friends with him on Facebook. And I think he follows her on Twitter. (laughs) It's just the whole, the whole thing is we started talking about all these novels that she and I had both read, ones that we had wanted to read. It was basically like this <laughs> podcast, but in real life. On that little trip, I picked up Vicious and Casey had already read it. And she was like, oh, you're going to like this. You need to pick this up. There's a new one that's already come out. It's in hardback. And so you can wait for it. Wait for the paperback while you read this one. Well, ha ha, joke was on her. I started in the airport. And by the time we were in Georgetown, I was almost halfway done with it. The book moved so fast, but I mean, the thing is, the opening character, it doesn't take you any, she fully invests you from the first sentence because the open in the opening paragraph, the main character, Victor Vale, is digging a grave and you're like, okay, college roommate, or they're, they're, maybe they're not college, they might be graduate students, but they're roommates and they're best friends and it's Eli mm. Ever and Victor Vale. That doesn't automatically tell you you were <laughs> in for a superhero story. I don't know what will. Anytime there are alliterative <laughs> names, you know there are going to be, a, there's a superhero element at work here. So they discover a way to make themselves superheroes or what they call themselves as, Mm -hmm. they call themselves extraordinaries. Okay. And the E and the O are capitalized. Eli discovers, and this is like his senior thesis or whatever, that he is, um, Victor's an art student and Eli is pre-med. So, so yeah, they're definitely in college, not graduate school. So the, his senior thesis in the class that they share together, the one class they share together he thinks that you can become extraordinary by cheating death in a traumatic fashion. And it has a lot to do with the way you die and your final thoughts as you're dying wow. before you're brought back to life. You don't quite die. You're on the very brink and then brink. And then when you're brought back, you have extraordinary hmm. abilities. And it's, it's not spoiling it to tell you what they are because it happens very quickly in the book. Eli um, okay. has supernatural healing ability. When you cut him, he heals up immediately. And then Victor's is he has the ability to lower his pain threshold. Or he, he dials mm-hmm. it down. He can't feel pain. And he also can ad- ad- emit that to where others like will automatically just walk around him. Because like, I guess the the... I don't want to call it a force field, but there's just something around him that make people avoid them. Like it might cause them nausea or physical pain. Okay. So he can control pain level with his mind. Uh, and so the rest of the book takes us, it's basically taking us backwards because it's told 
in the now okay. and then what happened with them in college. And so you're ping ponging back and forth to how they went from being best oh. friends to mortal enemies. And it is so fast paced. Another book that I wish would be adapted. But anyway, it needs to be a mini series. But yeah, it is really fast paced. It's compelling and engrossing. There is a graphic novel coming out that Victoria, that V.E. Schwab has written um, called Extraordinary that takes place in this world, tells the story of how another girl became extraordinary. There are lots okay. of EOs within this universe. You, you meet them in all the books and you get their backstories and some of them choose to be on the side of good and some of them choose to be on the side of evil and um, some of them actually are just trying to live their lives and don't want anything mm -hmm. to do with either of them. So yeah, that was um, Vicious and its sequel, Vengeful, by V.E. Like um, like. Schwab. Okay, moving right <laughs> along, we've got number five coming up. And for me, it's A Virtuous Woman by Kay Gibbons. And it's another tearjerker. And I loved this book. It, a young girl uh, from the South who come from a well-off family and... Kind of threw it all away on the wrong guy. It takes place in, I believe, the 50s, 40s, 50s. It's in the past. And finds herself a tainted woman because of this circumstance. And so ends up marrying one of her father's farmhands. Like, they don't have the most happy existence like they would like to have kids but they can't because of her first husband things that happened and it, you know mm -hmm. it, so it's heart-wrenching in that respect but at the other side of it no it didn't turn out wonderful and perfect and the big fancy house like her mother had always planned for her but she was still able to to be happy she had her own kind of family and it wasn't alone and it was beautiful in that way it's not a very happy 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 story but it's to me it's beautiful because mm -hmm. it so represents real life we have to carry our choices with us and the consequences of them and you know it doesn't mean that good things can't still come it may not look like we thought they would that doesn't take away from their goodness at all i guess in the middle of you talking about yes this, now i remember this me. book you let me the <laughs> I, I think you busted I did. I, mean, I was so angry at you. I was book angry, not real angry. Because it was so sad. I mean, why? I found it to be very yeah. beautiful. It's a very yeah. short book, very quick read, but the writing in it is beautiful. There were several yeah. passages I, I had to highlight and I would take pictures of them with my phone because I was like, ooh, I'm going to need to read that again. If, <laughs> if you like books that give you the feels and uh, across that. the whole spectrum of feels, that's one. I agree. It, it, it was very well written. It was a beautiful story. It was it was very good. It's just in the moment, it ruined me. Ruined you don't me. have to explain it to me. I have grudges against characters I read when I was a child. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. <laughs> you will never forgive Eva's so, father. <laughs> there we are. No. Amy March will never forgive her either. I'm glad she's not a real person. Anyway, how about you? I Well, I'm going to take a hard left turn away from a virtuous woman. And I think you're going to be surprised by this. <laughs> I'm putting Ready Player One on my list. I do love this book. I've read it twice. And because I, the first time I read it, well, they advertise it as Harry Potter for adults. And I was like, I was suspicious because it's really not. And when I read it, I yeah, loved it. I don't it. get that um, either. But it's not Harry Potter for adults. People just love, I think publishers just love to slap that on. Booksellers love to slap that on something to get people to pick it up. Because they're banking on the fact right. that the Harry Potter generation has grown up and they want stuff to read. And so, yeah, but Ready Player One by Ernest Cline is by no means Harry Potter for adults, but it is good in its own right. Wade Watts is a poor teenager in 2045, which I realize is not that far away when I think <laughs> about it. Um, now that we're in 2021 and he's obsessed with the 1980s. Because he's looking for clues to a vast treasure left behind by the inventor of a virtual world that has basically taken over the entire world. And the inventor of this virtual world was also right. obsessed with the 1980s because that's kind of when he grew up. I read it a couple of times. The first time I picked it up uh, was, like I said, you know, for funsies. And then the second time I wanted to read it, 
because the movie was coming out and I wanted to refresh myself. Can you hear the bitterness in my voice? But the pacing, I remember it's one of those books. Again, it just, it jumps. You jump feet first into this world. There's no preamble. It's just, hey, this is who we are. This is where we are. And this is what's going to happen. And I, so I love pacing like that. I don't, I don't need a lot of exposition. I want to be dumped straight into right. the middle of the story. I want to, let's get started right now. I will say one of the things I did not love about this book, girl is the best at something right. until this new dude shows up is it fell. There was a, there's a trope that I super hate. It happens in books. It happens in movies. It happens in television. It even happened <laughs> in the Lego movie and it frustrated me. And that's a fun little movie, but I checked out of it mentally when, um, okay, so this girl is the best Lego builder in the world, but this random little boy just shows up. This little Lego construction worker is now the best in the whole world. That frustrates me because it tends to happen more than it should. But that is not why this book is on my list. It is because of the pacing. And it also shows the dangers of living completely virtually. Wade completely loses touch with the world because he's in the in the oasis literally 24 7 he goes to school there you know he has all of his interactions there and but he does it to escape and that's one of the dangers of of living virtually is that it's very easy to just live in social media live um live online and just completely forget about the other other that that being said, we <laughs> are not going to discuss the movie because it is trash. There's a world, a physical world around you. Um, horrible, horrible trash. And we uh, will not discuss the sequel, which I refuse to read. <laughs> I read the book because the movie was coming out and Ethan had read it and was like, oh, this is fantastic. You've got to read it. And you loved it. And Catherine was even reading it. I, so I was yeah. like, oh, I've got to read this. And I just didn't like it. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I'm all for dystopian literature, but I didn't find Wade very likable. Oh, he's not. Absolutely not. I, I struggled mm-hmm. through the middle where he fell into the depression. Girl breaks up with him and he just like, I don't yeah. know why I don't do well with that. I get impatient when I see this in movies. Like, I hated Twilight for this reason. Well, that was one of the reasons I hated Twilight. The entirety of New Moon was right. And I'm like, girl, because her boyfriend broke up with her. And cry to your friends. <laughs> and then get out there and kick butt on your own. And I, so I struggled when I see people paint teenagers that way. Because I don't want other teenagers to see that. No, be a Lizzo. Yeah, be a Lizzo. That's right show up kick butt but i will say wade is not a great character h however is a great character i love his buddy h loved them love them okay move on what is is your one of my more recent reads and that was the southern book club's guide to slaying vampires by grady hendrix he also authored my best friend's Mm -hmm. exorcism which Mm -hmm. i have not read and it is probably at the top of my list, my TBR pile. I wanted to read this together. That, oh, the next one. I, I, I know it, if I it's anything together, like I think the book club. I, I'm sorry. It, you give me a group of middle-aged Southern mamas who are dropping their kids off at soccer <laughs> and dealing with the local community vampire. I mean, I am there for it all day long. Oh my gosh, this group of women yes. was fantastic. Yes. I saw yes. in them bits and pieces of women I grew up with. It's mm-hmm. in the early 90s and you deal yes. with the frustration mm-hmm. of how I won't go too deeply in it because it's a fairly new book, yeah. but <laughs> if you want to laugh yeah. <laughs> or scream scream in frustration, you know, and cheer yeah. people on who are just your normal average. These aren't people with super powers. None of these, I forget what Buffy's title was. She was like the chosen vampire hunter, the slayer. He was the slayer. It's in, oh, it's yes. in the title, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'm so used to calling it Buffy. It's just Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's none of that. These yeah. are just moms, like 40-year-old moms. They're us. They're us now. Um, yes. And their so, daughters oh, were yes. us I, men. It, you know, in some scenes that make your skin crawl, it was, it was 
awful. And run from your car. It to was the house. awful and hilarious you're and fantastic. And all at the same time. And it takes place in my in our little area of oh. stomping ground is down in Mount Pleasant, somewhere I've been a hundred thousand times. I was just there yesterday and they said, okay, well, the, yep, there's that. There's where that happens. It is fantastic. It narrator, my life on a daily basis. Narrator, she was magnificent and I should have written her name down because I will forever walk around saying, Hoyt Pickens. For, like, I hear it in my head. But, um, I got it from the book from the library. I, I want to buy yes. it and the other and I would love to meet Grady Hendrix. And just be like, bravo, sir. You did fantastic. Yeah. I didn't have to wonder who was speaking because each person had their individual mm-hmm. voice without her sounding cartoonish oh, yeah. and trying to make different voices. She yeah. is a pro. She's fantastic. Yeah. She's yeah. a natural actress. A natural actress. She is wonderful. This is one another one of those books that I do too. I yes. want to <laughs> I want to possess the physical copy. Let again. me pull out my little soapbox for a second and I just say this episode is exactly why um, publishers should think twice before they raise the prices at libraries. Mm-hmm. Libraries do not hurt authors. They do not hurt book sales. If yes. anything, they encourage them because how many books have we talked about and said, we got it from the library, but then it was so good. I had to go buy it. Oh, so the whole idea, every time I see an article about this, <laughs> makes my blood boil <laughs> because the whole idea that that's a thing is just ludicrous. Yeah. <laughs> Libraries encourage reading and the sales of books and introduce people to authors they wouldn't have just picked up on their own. I'm not going to go waste money on a book. I'm like, eh, I'm not sure. But if I pick it up at the library and I become a fan, then I'm going to buy them all. Absolutely. Absolutely. I am I one I am on that soapbox with you. I read an article by a local news outlet in which something about money going to the library and people were commenting on it saying money doesn't need to go to the library, oh it needs to go gosh. into the community. And I'm thinking, what do you think the library is? Every time I walk into our library, which is a small library, but I walk in there knowing that those people and they want to encourage them to live their best lives and they want to encourage them to read, you know, they just, just so helpful in any way, you know, people are looking for jobs at the library and using the computers and they're learning how to interview for jobs and they're learning, you know, using the community spaces for so many things other than Read. There Absolutely. are even programs in some libraries where you mm-hmm. can go and borrow a tie or a suit jacket or something you need. Anyway, I'm sorry. That's a whole other episode. It is a whole other episode, but I do have to say this. When I was in there, I lost my library card and I had, oh. I needed my library card so that I could get Libby. Um, when I walked in there, um, it was like right after they finally opened up tentatively, they would let you inside. Um, there was a little sign on the oh. circulation desk that said, if you need a shower. So trying to help people who who just need basic needs, you know, so they were directed, right. you know, call this number. It was just, and I, it just, it touched me in such a big way that it's just, it's so much more than book. Libraries are the centers of right. our communities, whether people who, who don't read think that or not, but they <laughs> people who are making the decisions about libraries and about their funding. Don't go there. They don't utilize them. So they don't know the importance that they are to the communities. Now, yep. you have your yeah. final pick to tell, so yeah. let's go there. <laughs> okay, my final pick, which is not a surprise to anyone, I talked about, I've also talked about this now in three episodes, is The Dresden Files by Jim Butcher. So I began with a Harry, and I'm ending with a Harry. Um, Detective Harry Dresden is the only professional wizard in Chicago. He's listed in the phone book. Lost items found, no love <laughs> potions or endless purses, wink, wink, Harry Potter. She has her entire life and her entire library packed into this purse. Anyway, so he's trying to scrape by this existence by being a detective and professional wizard, 
but he is also battling the forces of darkness. There are vampires who are hurting people in his community. There are drug dealers who are sorcerers. Well, sorcerers who are drug dealers, and they're getting the people of his beloved Chicago hooked on this very dangerous drug. That's actually how Stormfront starts off. It's written very detective noir. I know I've said this already, uh, but a woman walks into his office saying, I need help finding my husband and the police can't help me. Hmm. And so it turns out he is a sort, the husband is a sorcerer and he is dealing drugs to the innocent people of Chicago. And it sets off a chain of events that here in this book, I think Battleground, <laughs> you are Ryan, dragging that one out. Still reading. You don't want it to end. <laughs> I really am. I'm in chapter 25 or 28. I can't remember which. I'm getting towards the end. My heart has already been broken. I sat and cried when I read. Cha- oh, it, uh, yeah. I'm ch- when I read, there's a chapter, chapter 22. I was warned about it. Sat in the music room, listening to music with Richie, and start. I burst into tears. <laughs> Richie's like, "Are you okay?" I said, "Someone died." What happens in Stormfront, which is the first book, still has reper- We're still feeling the repercussions of that in the latest book. So it's not one of those, it's not detective novels that are all one-offs, much like Buffy. Every action has a consequence. You know, he's trying to do the right thing, but even when you do the right thing, there are consequences to those actions. Like in the case of um, Changes, the, one of the, the, the pivotal books in the series is Changes, where Harry's whole life is basically destroyed and he destroys an entire, there are several vampire courts. There's white, black, red, and green. And so he destroys an entire court. So the entire nation of vampires to save one little girl. And because of that, there's a power vacuum. Lesser powers start trying to rise up and take control. So, so like I said, every, Mm -hmm. every action, even when he's doing the right thing has a major consequence, whether you think so at the moment or whether he thinks so at the moment or not, it, it will come back. And pay off. And it's beautiful. Um, his writing, the Dresden Files Stormfront oh. started out as a writing exercise in a creative writing class he was taking. Yeah, it blew up. And you see his writing get better and better and better as the series progresses. I eagerly await each announcement of his oh. book. We had to wait six years between Skin Game. Skin Game is my favorite book in the entire series at the heist. And I love it when people are performing at the height of their right. abilities. I love it when competent people are doing their thing to accomplish a task, which in this love case it. is robbing Hades' vault. <laughs> love it. You know, so anyway, and even then there are, you think it's just a fun book. And it is fun, but then as soon as you start reading Peace Talks, which is the next book, which came out in 2020, so we had to wait wait six years, you're like, oh, wow, his chickens have come home to roost. A major way they're coming home to roost. So anyway, so yeah, um, The Dresden Files is one of my favorite series of all time. I think about it. It's also very pop culture centered. Like um, Harry pulls in a lot and a lot of his stuff is older pop culture stuff because the way his magic works, he can't interact with modern technology, which is a great writing device. So he can't just pick up a phone and call somebody. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great device. So he, a lot of his stuff comes from when he was. Okay a young kid and a teenager before his magic came in. That was, that's my final one before. That's my, The Dresden Files by Jim Butcher. And we're back. Now, normally we would do our segment called Book Report, um, but because of some scheduling issues, we are having to record a couple of episodes at once. Um, and (laughs) Christy and I have not read anything new. We are still reading the things that we are reading. (laughs) So what we're going to do instead is we're going to talk about our honorable mention. Okay. Okay. So my honorable mention. You go ahead and share yours and then I'll share mine. Because first off on my honorable mention is Alice Hoffman. She is the author of Practical Magic, um, The Rules of Magic. There's a new one that just come out in that same family line. Any book or storyline that follows a family generationally i love it and she does that too in the red garden where they settle on a piece of land and they follow it generation by generation in this little town Mm -hmm. and i love it 
you don't see magic right off in the red garden, but you just have a feeling that something special or unique is happening there. I loved it. And Blackbird House by her now. So very excited to see where she takes. Second up is Afia Atakora's Conjure Women, which came out last year. Beautiful book. Love it. Don't have time to go deep Mm -hmm. into it now, but I'm sure we will in a future episode. If you don't cry, if you don't hurt, I don't know. You have no feelings, basically. Her mother is the Conjure Woman, who is basically like a natural doctor. You know, of course, there are superstitions and beliefs surrounding that. She is training under her mom, which helps save her from a lot of hard work and in the fields and beatings and all that she would have to endure otherwise. She's raised very close with the white master's daughter Mm -hmm. who is the same age there are instances throughout the book where you realize hey they're not friends there is a definite power structure here and you can't cross these lines and it's broken up and it flips back and forth between these three sections so there's slave time and war time and freedom time and you get to see rue grow up through all of these years mm-hmm. how she struggles to hold on to her place in her community how yes they're free but are they really because they're still under the thumb of people who don't like them simply because of their skin color you know they don't venture out far they're very closed community and they kind of have to to survive it's a beautiful told story it's about women it's about Mm -hmm. friendships it's about mother-daughter bonds it's about finding your place in the community discovering what you believe truly believe on your own so many things and i mm-hmm. i just thought that as a debut novel it blew me out the water and i can't wait to see what she writes next karen white's mm-hmm. trad street series is all set in charleston it is a fun oh. book like i think i picked up picked up trad street at the library book sale i'd never heard of it i was like huh this looks interesting and it follows a lady who she's a real estate agent and she is redoing she'll redo some old houses but she can also see dead people and ghosts and remaining entities or whatever you would like to call them so she hates going in these old homes in charleston or into the antique stores because there are things everywhere (laughs) and but it's it's like Cozy mystery meets ghost story, and I love it. It's set in my area, and it checks off most of my boxes. And, of course, there is a love interest, but they don't fall in love right away. It is, yes, even better. I love it, and it goes even better. um, You know, she stretches it out through the series, and I love that. And I think it's, it's hilarious. Just enough creep to be fun, but not scary. And um, again, I'm always here for a cozy mystery. So I mm-hmm. <laughs> love that series. And then the book the that I believe now. that everybody should read, if you have teenagers, get them to read it, is Angie Thomas's The Hate You Give. Love it. It was beautiful. I cried. I have not seen the movie. Okay. Um. Not because I have any feelings toward it one way or the other. I just didn't go see it because I wanted to read the book first. And then once I, by the time I read the book, it's not in a theater. And <laughs> I'm waiting for it to hit Amazon Prime. And yeah. so that's where we are with that. But the book is fantastic. Um, young girl you mm-hmm. witnesses the murder of her childhood best friend. Not not once, but twice. Um because she oh. years earlier you find out that she saw one of her oh, other nice. best friends get shot down in the street i mean and then she's leaving a party with her this friend and they are po- stopped by the cops and it turns into a cop shooting i spent most of this novel saying oh i've never seen things that way or i've never thought about things that way i didn't realize that i didn't realize this is how it was and i found it very eye-opening whether Mm -hmm. i agreed with something or not i found it very eye-opening i enjoyed it i learned a lot and it's probably one of those i'll go back to in a few years and read again but if you go into it just know you're gonna be crying (laughs) But yeah, it was stuff like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's awful. I didn't know. Oh, that was okay, there you go. You know, <laughs> here I am in my safe house 
you know, and growing up where we grew up, we didn't have <laughs> a lot of gang violence and stuff. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember when we were in Beck, the big money posse. <laughs> and that's because they spray painted all, they spray painted all the stop signs around the no, middle school. Remember. Well, Beck was I also the middle school that was right next to the prison. Yes. I do remember that. I went to Rosemary Middle School in Andrews, um, which has its own set of issues because it used to also be a high school. We yeah, so too. we had, we had kids who drove to the eighth grade. So, um, but no, but we didn't really, at Rosemary, <laughs> we were, in Rosemary, we were scared of Beck. Right. Um, our little, it was a little, because Rosemary was, just, it was a little country school, you know, in Andrews. And so we we really didn't have that issue. It it had its uh, it had its own issue. Um, Can I but tell not, you how much games was not me. one of them? This little girl of theirs, they had <laughs> yeah. in a private Christian school that very small classes, not diverse at all, all the way through sixth grade. When they came to me and said, "No, of course we're going to move you to public school, and you're going to be going to Beck for seventh and eighth grade," and you want to talk about a culture shock? I lived in fear every single day. It was awful because all you heard. Yep. Well, first of all, middle school is awful anyway for its own reasons. You're becoming socially aware. Everybody is socially and physically awkward looking, yes. and yes. it's just awful for its own reasons but then you had all these yes. horror stories yeah. of Beck on top of it and I was just no please whatever you do no why did you wait till high school to send me to public school I spent a lot right. of time in the library I don't mind saying it <laughs> yeah that's that's how much my parents loved uh -huh. me my little sister, you know, at the time she was in elementary <laughs> school, so she got to go to Kensington Elementary and make friends that she then had when she got to to Beck, and and that's different. I was the new kid. There weren't nobody taking yeah. wow. <laughs> taking the chance of being friends with the the new kid with the glasses and the frizzy yeah. hair, and oh, it was the early '90s, late '80s, and I was all about that fashion. MC Hammer um, harem pants that were tie dye. Oh yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. and oh, the umbros. And I would stand oh, no. up against the wall at lunch my heart and hold my umbros up because I was afraid people. There were short snatchers. <laughs> they would snatch your shorts down. So yeah, middle school was oh, yeah. wasn't so fun. I got to high school. It was a different story. I genuinely enjoyed high school, but middle school was. Mm -hmm rough or an incredibly shy girl yeah I spent a lot of time with the librarians which is kind of sad but I didn't care I still don't care listen I was we the president of the library of club in high school so um yeah that's there's some thing. Georgetown. No, All right. no. That was probably too much information, but that's okay. My last honorable mention is just my guilty reading pleasure because it was so cheesy and so bad, and I loved every minute of it. It was, it, it's a book called Sweet by Emmy, Emmy Laybourne, <laughs> and she wrote Berserker and Monument 14 <laughs> series, which are very popular. And I was kind of hoping Sweet would turn into a series because I loved it so much. But the whole premise is, um, so there is this new <laughs> diet drug and you don't, you know, it just makes you lose weight. You don't have to cut back what you're eating. You can do whatever you want to do and you're going to lose weight and get skinny. And they're going to kick it off by having this cruise and inviting these, you know, models and celebrities to sit there and 
you know, hosted as a television special. And, you know, they are going all in for this thing. And everybody's so excited. And this young lady, um, they're teenagers because her, her friend's dad is super rich and got them tickets for it. And, you know, she's, I love her because she was completely body confident. She was like, I'm fine. My mom raised me to believe I'm fine. (laughs) Just the way I am. If you don't like me, that's okay. So she wasn't there for it. And she didn't (laughs) partake when they would pass it out at the, at the (laughs) meals and everything, when they would pass out this diet drug and her friend was, but though was all in and, you know, she admitted she saw differences in these people. They started losing weight dramatically over the course of this cruise. However, awful side effect <laughs> that it's basically turning them into zombies because they start to crave this, this magic oh, diet no. drug so much that when it runs out, they like they can smell it on you in your skin and your blood or what like so they I mean they will start biting each other and I mean it's it's awful and it's dramatic and, but the whole like I thought I still nope. think about this book nope. and I've read it a couple of years ago <laughs> it is YA but it, I'm telling you it creeped me out because I can see People would do this. People would, nope. you know, give everything up for this chance at easy skinniness, you know. Um, and But there was only like a, a handful of people on the whole ship that didn't ha- use any of it or didn't try any of it. And so the girl and those who are still okay, they're trying to keep it from hitting the mainland and get word out to the mainland because it's supposed to release at midnight on this day and oh it's it's so good it is so good and i won't oh spoil the ending mm. but the ending yeah. leaves you waiting next book but she hasn't written it yet because <laughs> so, i don't think it was very well received but they're mm-hmm. like you know the writing isn't very good and the characters aren't developed well enough. But I mean, I'll be honest, I'm going into this. It's a YA um, horror thriller, whatever you want to call it. But I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> it was just fun. It was just fun. Right. <laughs> yeah. You need, you need to write her. You need to hit her up. No, like- I need some, like, listen, right. I don't know if you're going to write this story happens. or not, but I need some information. Can you please provide me with more story? <laughs> if you're writing a sequel <laughs> and maybe you didn't get funding from your publisher or give whatever, me, can you just send me right. your notes so give I can read it? fan fiction. Let's go. I need, I need some information. <laughs> I need some closure. All right. How about you? Who was your honorable Yes. Fans? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, a lot of them are yours, um, and that's okay because we're gonna do an episode on them anyway. Um, the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. I there's nothing else for us to say. I'm just gonna say it and leave it there. It's fantastic. I it's just it's wonderful. Um, The Christmas Pearl by Dorothea Benton Frank. It's my favorite of hers. I like to read it every Christmas. It Aww. makes you really feel like yes. That's what Christmas should be like. Her memories, because the main character is so much, but she's an elderly woman when she tells the story and she's remembering Christmas as a child. And we all think about our, um, we all think about our Christmases as children being the best Christmases. And we're constantly trying to recapture that feeling, recapture that magic. Um, And so that's, and so I try to do a reread of the Christmas Pearl Every mm-hmm. year, um, it's really quick. It's a novella, so it, it takes me like a day to read the whole thing. Uh, and I, I just, I don't, I can't get enough of it. And it's just, it makes me sad because Whoopi Goldberg has actually optioned the rights to it. I would love to see her. Um, I mean, I could see her playing Pearl. I really could. But if even if she wanted to direct <laughs> it, I would be here for it. Um, first in line to see it, I would pre-order my ticket. Right. Um, and it may, but it makes me sad that Dorothea, that Dottie never got to see it be made, you know? Um, and she would get, you know, to go to the premiere and how fantastic that would be for her. Like, 
but yeah, so the Christmas Pearl, um, Attachments and Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell. Um, Attachments is told almost completely in oh. email format between the two main characters who are best friends and they work at a newspaper together. Yes. And there's also um, the IT guy whose name is Lincoln, who is in charge because um, it was written at a time where you there was email was kind of new. Oh, um, especially corporate email was new. Mm. And so there was somebody who had to read all of your outgoing emails. And that was his job. Um, and that actually is a real job um, because I actually knew someone that they worked at a financial oh, institution wow. and that was their job was to read the employee corporate email, what they sent out. Yep. So it's sent almost completely. It's written almost completely in emails with these two main female characters. And then Lincoln has his own point of view. It's not told in email at all. It's just his point of view. Um, and Lincoln is in love with one of the girls. So, yes. Um, and then Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell um, is about these twin sisters who go to college. Um, one is, um, a reader, super nerd girl writes, um, and she is a big name fan in that, um, she's really big in their fandom, in a, in a fandom for a Harry Potter like series called Simon Snow. And she has written this epic, these epic novel length fan fictions, um, right. to go in between the novels and, um, we, I mean, we all know how fan fiction works. So if you don't, we'll do an episode <laughs> on it. So <laughs> I will guide you through fan fiction. So, um, <laughs> and so um, it centers around these two sisters, um, but mainly Kath, um, the fan, the fangirl um, who writes these, who writes these fan fictions and how, and her adjusting to life in college um, and, um, and also and growing up. Um, but, but fangirl spawned, a series um rainbow Rowell had so much fun oh, writing the fan fiction of this series she decided to create the series yes it's carry on wayward son and then the third one is coming out um i think any way the wind blows or something like that um so uh, and i've read carry on but i haven't read the other two but they're fantastic they're wonderful um oh. so yeah so those um I thought I had another one, but I oh. forgot to write it down. We'll do it next week. I know week. it's a romance <laughs> novel, and I can't remember the name of it right now. <laughs> but it's okay. Well, yeah, that's right. That's next week. We'll talk about it next week. I'll, I'll remember. I it. love about it next that week. attachment. Um, so yeah, those are my those are my novel, honorable mentions in a modern way. I love that. <gasps> I'm gonna have to pick that up. I'm a Rainbow Row convert anyway. Yeah. We've already talked about that. <laughs> All right, fellow readers, tell us what your favorite books are. I believe in you. Do you agree with our list? Can you believe that we left one of your favorites off? Or is there something on our list that you absolutely don't agree with? We would love to hear from you and see what you think. So send us your responses, comments, and questions. You can email them to foxandheronbooks at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a voice message on Anchor or Spotify. Don't forget to rate and review us on your preferred listening platform if that's something that's available to you. Um, it helps us with sponsorships and potential guests. You can also get involved in the bookish conversation by following us on Instagram at Fox and Heron Books, on Facebook at the Fox and Heron Literary Society, and our Twitter handle is Fox Heron. You can visit our website, foxandheronbooks.wix.com slash salons you can also find all the books that we talk about in the show notes on our website and remember stay true <laughs> to your shelf